I was thinking about how I, and I, this is not meant to be profound or anything like that. I'm not dropping a knowledge on you like KRS-One, but I go through my day-to-day for years on end without ever once in my mind thinking people have middle names. Yeah. It just never crosses my mind. Yeah, I, don't I think it. that might also add to the uncanny nature of seeing someone's middle name or hearing their middle name. Yeah. I don't I just, I don't understand. I, don't, I mean, like, I get it, like, helps identify people a middle yeah. name. So you don't get, like, two people with the same name confused. But also, we have social security numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm Chris35419. Um, but, yeah, no, I also, I also would agree that, like, yeah, the, the history of that is very interesting. Um, I don't even know it. Neither do I. I'm just saying it's interesting that it like came about. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Um, obviously, you know, this is something we'll never, ever, ever, ever know. But I'm also interested just about the uh, progression of name in general. Just like, okay, so there were names, and then eventually there were family names. That kind of a thing. And then eventually, oh, there's name and middle name and family name. You know what I'm saying? Because there definitely had to be a period in human history where like the the idea of having a last name, a family name, didn't exist. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Obviously, you've seen you know very comic depictions of this, and like, I don't know. I, I I haven't seen it since I was eleven years old. But year one, you know, perhaps maybe some of the characters are named like Ook or Gronk or something. You know, I mean that's where we go when we think of like the beginning of names is that you would be uh uh and I'd be uh uh uh. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is also just interesting. At a, at a certain point, you have to be like, huh, what do I call my friend? What do I call my friend? Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's. Libraries full of information we could find out about this. Topic, sure, but I love I'm that saying neither of us know a- anything, and we're just like, oh, oh, I wonder how this works. Yeah, but I know for a fact that like the earliest examples is just gotta be something untouchable because like humans, yeah. like Homo sapiens, been around for like two hundred thousand years or something like that. Like, but I do, I do like thinking about like the, the etymology of last names. Um, yeah, like I, ones yeah. that you can figure out, like Smith, like Crumley. I got no idea. Yeah, but Smith, they were. A blacksmith yeah. or Taylor, they were the Taylor. God, just stuff like that's that. That's so funny you bring that up because just the other day what? I saw a last name that blew my fucking mind. I don't remember what it was, but it was something like App Maker or something. And I was like, what the fuck? What did they coin this one? Is this like a family that like just spontaneously like materialized in the 60s and was just able to be like, ah, yes, I am, uh, you know, I am a, so a computer uh, man. I'm Jen Henry J, J Computer Man. Hi, I'm Caden Bitminer. <laughs> um, but no, my least favorite one is mine because yeah. I'm just the first guy in my family was named John. That's what that means. <laughs> John's son. The second one was the son of John. Yeah, yeah, very funny. Well, that's probably about as far as names can take us. Uh, what else has been going on? Let me try to think a little bit. There have been some interesting things. We've had two whole weeks. We have had two whole weeks. We have had two whole weeks. Um, I thought a little bit about uh, the... I went to an event yesterday. There's a couple of writers there. Four writers, to be exact. All exiled from their native lands. Cool. For what they write about. Awesome. You know, whether it be... Yeah. I think one was from Nicaragua. One was actually a cartoonist from Nicaragua. Uh, Nigeria, Algeria, and Russia... Um, they were all wonderful, great. But specifically, I want to talk about Dmitry Baikov. Uh, he was one of the speakers there. Uh, loved this guy. Loved this guy. Very large man, very loud man, mustached man, older man, very funny man. Everything he said had sort of a punchline to it, you know. 
Um, like at one point he was doing this bit about like uh, it might have been about an author, um, but he was just talking about like you know oh so and so the story goes that you know the Russian government came up to him or whatever and was like you are you know dis uh, dissident or whatever and he's like yeah well maybe you know, so kind of a thing he's like you are a Jew or whatever and he's like yeah well you know, if you want to look at that you are an immigrant or whatever yeah. and he was like well if you want to look at it that way then you are a dirty stinking rotten ass bureaucrat dick whatever that kind of a thing very funny guy. Uh, you can imagine that in a very burly Russian accent, if you'd like. Um, but one of the nicest parts of the whole thing... Oh, I should also mention, I, I don't know if I told you in general, but yeah, he was poisoned uh, by, like, the government, the Russian government and stuff. And Classic. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, 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 there was a point where he was like, to me, getting uh, poisoned by Russian government is like winning Nobel Prize. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, very funny game. Um, but there was a point where they opened it up to uh, questions... And uh, first hand goes up, and this lady's like, "Hello, yeah, I'm here. I'm, uh, you know, from Serbia or whatever. I'm a journalist uh, in Russia or whatever." And she was like, "And I just wanted to, like, uh, I don't know if people know, but I need to, you know, like, make this known that like, Dmitri is a legend. Like, we, you know, this is, I, I can't believe that I'm seeing the legendary Dmitri Bykov whatever in person right now, kind of a thing." And then she asked a question and stuff, and that was all well and good, but uh, yeah. Just that novelty of, like, the first hand going up, someone being just like, I've traveled all this way, you know, and by coincidence, you happen to be here, and you're also straight up my hero and That's a legend. Awesome, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, the cat's here. So, uh, yeah, this is about how it's going to go until I get the hangar open in the show. I can, I can send you my list of cold ones, <laughs> and you can just guess what they mean. Yeah, we could try that next week, yeah. Yeah. Eating Soup Alone is a podcast hosted by me, Christopher Crumlin, and co-hosted by Nicholas Johnson. We try our best to ramble incoherently about a handful of movies at least once a week. We got, we got great feedback from a whole person that they really liked the improv from a couple weeks ago. Oh, so yeah. Do you want to do it again? Sure. Um, I wrote a bunch down on flashcards, so... Okay. Let me just flip through these real quick. Okay. Uh, here's a letter for you. Okay. It's a long one, it seems like. Um, ba, 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 ba. Ah, tip of the tongue, the teeth, the lips. Tip of the tongue, the teeth, the lips. Okay, you ready? Uh-huh. Uh, you're sexually attracted to bridges. God. Look at those arches. You're getting there, yeah. Oh. God. I feel like someone else should enter the scene, though. Oh, I think... This is hard to do audibly, but maybe, like, I'm... Let's just vision envision a bridge. It's kind of secluded, let's just say. Because mm -hmm. I'm trying to be a it's little a private. Bridge, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's even autumn, and there's forest everywhere. Cars are passing every now and again, but I'm kind of standing off to the side at one end of the bridge, just kind of touching rails and stuff. Just like, oh, God. Look at the... You're supple, riveting in the curvature of these bolts. If I could just taste 
the metal. I would. Eh. Hey man, are you gonna jump? What? Are you gonna jump? Huh? Are you gonna jump off this bridge? Uh, yes. All right. I just thought. I thought you were gonna fuck it or something. I just want to make sure. I'll see you, man. Hey, good luck with that. And see. <laughs> Great job. You're supposed to do that while you read the thing, but whatever. Just go for it. Oh, my bit. All right. Because I thought, you know what's better than a bit? Yeah. A bit on top of a bit. Oh, okay. Dirty Harry, 1971. In 1971, San Francisco police inspector Harry Dirty Dumbshit Callahan is investigating the rooftop shooting of a young woman overlooking the Golden Gate Bridge. Constructed in 1937, the Golden Gate Bridge is 4,200 feet long. Suspen oh, is a 4,200 foot long suspension bridge that connects the northern part of the San Francisco Peninsula to Marin County, effectively connecting the city of San Francisco. Following the rooftop murder, the killer leaves a note for the SFPD requesting a large sum of money and threatening to kill again if the ransom is not met. For reasons unknown, Dirty Harry is tasked with catching this uh, killer. Harry is assigned a partner who he hates for being not white and set off on the killer's trail by just kind of driving around in the middle of the night classic police work uh as the movie continues harry proceeds uh, to trip over his own dick with both feet every opportunity he gets luckily for harry the only person dumber than him in the city of san francisco is the killer he's trying to catch and um the formers i'm assuming mm-hmm Okay. The former's uh, travel guide describes the Golden Gate Bridge as, quote, possibly the most beautiful, certainly the most photographed uh, bridge in the world. Oh, no, it's Frommers. Yeah. Okay, okay, all right. Anyways, uh, at, the, uh, at the point of its opening in 1937, it was both the largest and the tallest suspension bridge in the world with a total height of 746 feet. I learned a lot about the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1937. It's coming up on 100 years. Yeah. I wonder if they'll do anything special for 100 years. They're going to tear it down. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. For real? Yeah, that's the plan. That's The construction of it is only, like, the infrastructure will only last for about 100 years. And then what, like, build a new Golden Gate Bridge? Mm -hmm. Wow. I just made that up. Okay. No. Well, you got me? I did. I sure did. You really did? Um, So, uh, I'll finish reading the thing. A cab, 5 out of 10. You know what also interests me a little bit? Mm. Um... What are they called again? The fucking uh, time capsules. Yeah. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. It's very cool. Yeah, I yeah. wish I would have done one when I was a kid. Yeah. But also, I love just the idea of, like, you can look around, you know, uh, you locally. And, like, I remember one time finding some kind of, like, calendar that had, like, just time capsules that were going to be opened in the next, like, 10, 20, 30 mm-hmm. years kind of thing. Some of those things were just like, maybe I could show up and be at one of those. You know, you know what's really funny to me? What? The idea of me going... You know, it'd be a funny improv bit. Huh? Be if Chris had to pretend he was sexually attracted to a bridge. Uh huh. And then, because this is the key to improv, I heavily write down a bunch of facts about the Golden Gate Bridge inside of this letter. And so I do about an hour's worth of research on the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> and we zoom past the improv before you even start reading it. You just read the Golden Gate Bridge facts, not horny at all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, we watched Dirty Harry the other day. We did, yeah. Uh, uh, just by chance, we were going to watch Blade Runner. True. And then we just passed by better Dirty movie. Harry. It's a much better movie. And I was like, oh, man, I've never seen Dirty Harry. And you're like, me neither. And I was like, this looks like fun. Let's just yeah. do, let's do this instead. Uh, it's had a genius idea. Yeah. I'm such a fucking genius. I'm going to give it a D for Dirty. It's great. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I have no history with this movie. I yeah, you do. Do I? Do you feel lucky, punk? But that's it. I mean, yeah. Just yeah, everyone knows the quote. Yeah, what is that? Quiznos used to do that commercial, I think. <laughs> Did they? Was it Quiznos? I have no idea. Well, hang on a second. I might just have to look that up. Should I have had that prepped beforehand? No, this is fine. Okay. The only... Uh, uh, I, I, I got nothing for the Quiznos commercial, but I do remember that scene in Bruce Almighty. Do you? Um, are you talking about where he's talking to himself in, like, the, uh, in, like, the mirror? Yeah. I don't remember it exactly, but that's how it went, I think. We should watch Bruce Almighty one of these days. Pause, pause, pause. I'm gonna call my mom real quick. She'd know. Hello? Hey, Mom. Yeah? Do you remember an ad, probably late 90s, early aughts? I don't remember what it was for. For some reason, I feel like I might have been a sub- like submarine sandwich commercial, uh-huh. uh, where okay. they did the whole "Do you feel lucky, punk?" thing. Uh, no, I don't recall. No. No. Dang. Wait, you have speaker. Ask Brian. Hold on. Okay, ask Brian. Hey, Brian. Hey, Chris. Do you remember back in the day, like uh, they had a commercial where they did the whole like, you gotta ask yourself one question: Do you feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? You know. But it was, I think, like for subs or maybe pizza or something. Okay. Does that ring a bell? That's after movie. Yeah, yeah it's Dirty Harry, yeah. That's okay. I'll figure it out. Alright, love you. Love you too. Bye bye. Damn it. Anyway, don't remember where we were. Yeah, it's okay. We were talking about our history and I was talking about the quote. I was trying to think of that. Like I said, I, I swear to God. I, hey, I believe you. There's a Quiznos commercial from back in the day. Okay. Where, like, a dude was like, you ask yourself one question, do you feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Maybe it was Subway because of the $5 footlong thing? or so- I don't know. I'll have to figure it out. Anyways, this movie starts off, in my opinion, I'm digging it. Kicks ass at the beginning. Reminds yeah. me of Columbo. I'm, like, you know, you start off yeah. with, like, you know, just the killer doing his thing, you know? But it's got those sick, sick 70s beats. It does. That are, like, unironically very good. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, I think I'm going to like this movie. Mm-hmm. And then almost immediately, it's like, oh, no. Like, we'll get into it more later, but it's like, oh, this is, this is really bad. Yeah. Like, pro-police propaganda. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it, it sucks watching this movie, and I can't get out of the back of my mind that there are millions and millions and millions of cops who have probably seen this movie <laughs> and gone, that's me. Well, there's also probably here. a lot of people who saw that and thought, oh, God, I want to be a cop. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, my, my, my big problem with it is Clint Eastwood, who comes from all these cowboy movies, is a cowboy in this movie. Yeah. And it's cool when you're a cowboy doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. But this is a real-life police officer who is just taking the law into his own hands. It's like, ooh, I hate this. Yeah, that's one of the problems. Does not age well is what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's just kind of one of the problems of, like, folk stories like that is that they end up being pervasive, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you've heard plenty of people say it about America is that that's the problem with us having guns is that we all think we're cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, um, that stuff is heavily present. Um, there's a note, uh, they take the note to the mayor's office, uh, Dirty Harry's working the case. Um, big respect for, I gotta say, big respect for this mayor, my favorite character in this whole movie, because the ransom note that the killer leaves yeah. says, if you don't give me the money, I'm going to shoot a priest or, and he says the N word. 
the mayor is reading it. He goes, and he'll shoot a priest or... Fellas, what are we going to do? And we're like, hey, good on you, mayor. Yeah. This is a movie from the 70s. For sure thought you were going to drop it. And then 10 minutes later, I'm pretty sure Dirty Harry does. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. And like, yep. That's, that's another problem I have with this movie. I'm sorry to keep getting you off track. But I feel like every supporting character, like the mayor or like the district attorney and stuff like that, are supposed to be people that you don't like because they're big old wusses. Yeah. But, yeah, they are the obstacles in the way for yeah, Dirty Harry to, to complete his hero's journey. But, like, we'll get to the DA and stuff later, but every time any of these guys come up, I'm like, I like you infinitely more than I like Clint Eastwood <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, they're in there, and I think almost immediately Dirty Harry starts giving the mayor some gruff. I would sit out here for an hour and a half on my ass doing nothing or something like that. Yeah, something like that, something like that, something like that. Um, and uh, again, it's one of those things where like the message sent is one that in other contexts I understand and stuff. But yeah, he's basically saying like that's the first hint of like bureaucracy is what's killing justice. Yeah, you know the fact that I just can't go out there and shoot the guy is what's killing justice. Um, I get it. There's a big problem at hand, and you want to go get the guy for sure. But also. The mayor just got demanded a hundred thousand dollars by a maniac. He, he might be an amenic. Yeah, but <laughs> he's <laughs> yeah. And also, um, as we'll get to more as we go through this. How about this? It's the seventies. Smoke a cigarette or two. <laughs> uh, we'll get more into it as we go on. But this is the first hint also that you get of uh, Harry being the worst cop in the world. Yeah, I, I'll go ahead and jump ahead. There's a point where, like, yeah, when we meet the a lawyer from the local college who's explaining basic human rights to Harry. No, 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 that's the DA. That's what I was going to get to. Yeah, what I'm saying is he has a lawyer come in from the college. Yeah. That's what explained. Yeah, yeah. But no, and, what, what I meant, I'm sorry, go on. Oh, yeah, I was saying I was, saying I was derailing just because, yeah, to jump, jump ahead, yeah, that, that kind of thing being the worst cop ever. He's like, what do you mean? This guy's right, or whatever. It's, yeah, no, that's that's, another, that's what I was getting uh, to earlier when I was yeah. like, oh, we'll get to that later, yeah. but I guess we'll get to it No, now. we'll get to it later. I just okay, wanted fine. to say, yeah, I agree with you being the worst cop. This is another example. This scene specifically um, with the mayor is the mayor goes, okay, we'll get this money together and we'll tell him to meet us so-and-so yeah. and put it in the person comms. And Harry's like, you're, you're not going to actually give this guy the money, are you? It's like, no, you... Get the money together. Goddamn. And you spring a trap. Dumbest man. Yeah, the they just want to know where the he trap. is. Exactly. <laughs> we got to get this mouse. We're bringing the cheddar. Listen, uh, listen, Chief. I've been a police officer all day. <laughs> I know this is a bad idea. <laughs> but anyways, I think the next thing that happens, there could be something else that happens. Whatever. I'm just going off of what I remember. Interject as you need. Um, Harry is told, uh, classic trope, you got a partner. And he's like, what about my partner? He's in the hospital. He'll be on two or three weeks. He's like, yeah, well, in the meantime, you got a partner or whatever. No, I think what happens directly after is he goes to get the hot dogs. Oh, which is crazy. The best scene in this movie. Yeah. Um, but, like, in context of the rest of this movie, it does kind of suck. But when you see yeah. it for the first time, it, it is the, uh, are you feeling lucky? Yeah. Um, and even knowing that line, I didn't know the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And it's really good. Mm -hmm. Like, it does, it absolutely sucks that he, it's 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 super cool that he goes in there, he's talking to the guy, his local diet, yeah. who knows him, and he goes, hey, is there a, you see that tan Ford parked in front of the bank? And he goes, yeah. yeah. Harry's trying not to look at it because he doesn't want to seem suspicious. Yeah. And the chef's like, yeah. It's still there. He goes, still running? He goes, yeah. I can tell by all the pollution outside. And he goes, 
okay. And Harry turns around and just stares at it for two minutes and it's like, yeah. okay, well, you ruined that immediately. Yeah. He goes, ah, call this number and tell him send backup or whatever. And he's like, are the, the police? And he goes, yeah, tell him. And here's a gunshot. And he's like, ah, I gotta go do something about it. And I don't think he yells freeze or anything. No, it just kills two guys. The robbers come out and he just starts blasting. Yeah, just murders a couple of guys. He's got the biggest gun, handgun in the world. Yeah. And just starts blasting. Shit's exploding. Cars are flipping. A miracle nobody else died. Yeah. yeah. And he has a shootout with the last guy, kind of. And he like, kind of gets a jump on him and walks up to him. And the guy goes for his gun and goes, ah, ah, ah. He points his gun at him and he goes, I know what you're thinking. Did you fire five or six shots? And I got to be honest with you. And all the commotion, I lost count too. So do you feel lucky? Or however the line goes. Yeah. And it's like, that's actually very cool. Yeah. And then the guy gives up and he's like, Harry picks yeah. up his gun and walk, goes to walk away. And he's like, man, I got to know. And Harry yeah. goes and shoots at him. I read that in the original script, the guy goes, I got to know. And Harry puts his gun up to his own head and pulls it. And it's like, they're like ah that's a bit too extreme I'm i think like, that is a little too much <laughs> i like it way better if i'm being honest i don't like that he points it back at the guy to pull it yeah that seems a little like i don't know against something it seems like it shouldn't be allowed even oh, if the chamber is no, this whole scene shit isn't allowed he yeah. should lose his job here yeah. but he does go when he goes to get his new partner they go hey great job yesterday man yeah yeah but yeah, he gets a new partner, classic stuff where he's like, oh, college boy, I don't like you. You're not, you know, you're green and stuff like that. All my partners uh, die because I'm a bad cop. Yeah. Then, around the water cooler, and by water cooler, I mean a uh, model of the entire city, uh, <laughs> um, we get some exposition uh, that uh, Harry's a huge racist to everybody. He's a huge piece of shit. Because before yeah. they go in there, the, the chief goes, if you see George's... Tell him I need him. And he goes in there, and George is in there, and he goes, Hey, you fat bitch. The chief wants you. He says yeah. something along those lines. fat, so I think he's calling him fat, so. Okay. And yeah. he's like, You know why they call him dirty? He's what? Because he hates everybody equally. So and so's. And he just is just naming off Rachel, racial slurs. And yeah. the guy, his new partner, is Mexican. And he goes, Well, how, tell him how you feel about that racial slur, Harry. And Harry goes, I hate that racial slur the most. And yeah. then I walk out, I'm like, Yeah. I don't like anyone in this movie. <laughs> Um, then uh, do we get the, I think we get the scene where they show up and there's a child who's been shot dead. Either that or they're just running around at night. I think that happens after, um, but it could be before. Oh no. What happens is you get to the killer. He's on a new rooftop and he's going to shoot those two guys walking around the street. But uh, then the helicopter sees spooks him. Spooks him off. Yeah. And he runs away. And they're like, how did he get away? Um, yeah. So they find the little body. Um, the new guy uh, can't handle it. Yep. And they, uh, as you panned away, you also pointed out that they definitely let the mother go over there. And see her blown up faced child, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yes, they are cruising around. They cruise around for a little while. Uh, our new partner uh, sees uh, a gentleman carrying a, a, a suitcase, thinks perhaps it's the killer. You know, he pulls around back. Harry goes through the alley kind of a thing. Um, you know, first time but it happens again uh that harry is kind of being a little pervy oh yeah because he looks in at first it's a couple sets down the briefcase um, yes the guy he's chasing runs into a home and turns yeah. on a kitchen light and he's like i'm gonna stand on top of this trash can and look in the window to see if this is the guy yeah um and so anyways opens up the suitcase at this point you know it's pretty clear by body language and stuff like that 
this guy didn't shoot nobody. There's no gun in that briefcase. Continues to watch as the guy like pulls out like laundry and shit, and the girl gets like topless and stuff. Then a bunch of people in the alley find him doing this and and start kicking the shit out of him. No. Uh, he trips and falls off of the trash can first. Yeah. And everyone goes, hey, what are you doing? Peeking at you, peeping Tom, looking in a hot Mary? <laughs> oh, yeah, they do call her hot Mary. Um, anyways. That's uh, what we were going to do. Yeah. The uh, the new, you know, uh, sidekick uh, saves him. Um, he's like, all right, y'all under arrest for, uh, you know, assault on a police officer. And Harry's like, nah, let him go. And from there... We then have this next thing that Nick knows happens. Ah, yes. They go from the alley to more police work, which is they are at the church with the big Jesus save sign. Perhaps. How do they get there? How do they know to get there? Oh, yeah, they have that little meeting where they're talking about where they're stationing people and how there's this whole section where they're not going to have any police surveilling and that the killer's going to be able to know that that's the place he's allowed to go because there aren't any police around. And it's by a church, and he said he was going to shoot a priest. So they kind of set him up. So Harry, a new partner. My only thing is just one of those things where it's like, Really, in one night, the killer is going to be able to notice that, like, this is the only area. But I guess also the whole thing was, like, something about it being close to the other. What are you doing? We never do this. Yeah. I'm going to pull up the Wikipedia page for Dirty Harry because I do. The, this movie yeah. is, what, like 90 minutes maybe? Yeah. Feels like four hours. A lot happens in it, and I don't remember a lot of it. So. It has something to do with, like, it being close to, like, the last place that it happened, and they're betting on him going back, especially because at the very last moment in this scene, the uh, Dirty Harry. He uh, reveals he's like, not only is it really close to the other one, but he's like, but also there's a church over there. So, yes, I like this one aesthetically. I love um, Harry and his partner up there uh, with the big... We missed so much. Oh, really? Okay. What happens is he gets beat up Uh for being a peeping Tom. And then on their way back, they run into a guy who's going to jump off a roof. Do you remember this? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Yeah. Harry goes up there and he goes, hey, man. So I knock it off and he's like are you gonna bring me down because he's on like a big like uh those buckets that people who fix phone wires are in yeah and he goes are, are you gonna try to take me down the thing he goes oh no this thing is just for me because usually you people like if i try to like get you down you'll just yank me down with you i don't want to i don't i don't want to see that so you know just he's just kind of being mean to him and the guy's like oh you son of a bitch and goes to hit harry and harry knocks him out and puts him in the bucket and brings him down with him yes and then, after assisting in preventing a suicide, 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 Harry and Gonzalez learn that Scorpio has murdered a 10-year-old African-American boy. Based on the letter, the police think Scorpio's next victim will be a Catholic priest and set a trap for him. So, that's why they're there. Yeah. We got that part. We just missed the suicide. Yes. But anyways, uh, yeah, like I said, optically, looks great. Uh, yeah. Love the blue Jesus, the red saves. Uh, great. Um, they do see the killer a stride but anyways before that uh, harry gets to be dirty a little bit more yeah he, he even says out loud he even goes harry you're allowed to have a little fun or something like that yeah he watches <laughs> two people walk through the street and then just figures out how to guess what floor they're gonna go up to it looks up at the floor and there's a woman on the phone who goes ah and hangs up the phone and then like walks in another room comes out she's in her underwear 
walks in another room, comes out again, and she's naked. And Harry's like... Then two people kind of come in? To serve and protect him, all right? The two people he was looking at come in. Yeah, but it's one of those things where it's like, is this like going to be a threesome thing? I have no idea I'm intrigued. I'm very interested. What's about to happen in this apartment? And then Gonzalez goes, Harry, point your binoculars and erection in that direction. There's the killer. Yeah, but putting the brakes on that one. They come in fully clothed. Don't seem like they're in a rush to get unclothed. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I've, like, the whole thing is I very odd. I have no idea what's happening in this I almost wish yet. the movie would pivot to more of a rear window situation at this point. I'm like, let's see what's going on. I, yeah, I want to see what movie's happening in that <laughs> apartment. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, then there's a bit of a shootout that happens. Gonzalez yeah. does get shot. Um, does he? Yeah. That's why he ends up in the hospital later. No. He gets shot after Harry... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mixing after two our scenes favorite up, yeah. part of this yeah, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just gets away. He does. He just starts blasting cops and just leaves. All right, Mr. Wikipedia, what happens next? Oh, well, after the shootout and the flea, the next day the police receive another letter in which Scorpio claims to have kidnapped a teenager named Anne Mary Deacon. Right. Yeah, and doesn't he up it to like 200000 or something? Exactly 200000 yes. Yeah. And he sends him, he's like, here's a lock of hair and her tooth and the underwear she was wearing. Yeah. And Dirty Harry's like, you know, this girl's dead. Yeah. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. And the police chief's like, I can't no. by midnight we gotta get this money to this guy. And so they do. And yeah. they're like, The tooth thing just reminds me of one of my favorite, and everybody's favorite, bits in The Big Lebowski. You want a toe? I can get you a toe. I can get you a toe by 3 p.m. <laughs> And, uh, have you you've seen Big Little? I have not. Yeah. Oh, it's on my okay. list. Yeah. Well, that's part of it is that someone is kidnapped and they send a toe. And yeah, John Goodman basically tells the Big Lebowski, like, that doesn't mean anything. I can get you a toe. I can get a toe by 3 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're like, yeah, he wants it in a yellow bag, this and that. Harry, you're going to bring it to him. And listen, he's going to have you running around all over town. Yeah. To make sure you're not being tailed. But we'll figure it out. And boy, does he. Yeah, Gonzalez, you're off the case. Yeah, And Harry goes, hey, Gonzalez, come with me. You're not off the case. Yeah. And so Gonzalez follows him in a car with like a hear, like a, a microphone that he can hear everything that Harry's doing. Yeah, they stop by that old man's shop, and the old man's, he's like, how much do I owe you? And he's like, eh, hey, just bring it back in one piece. Right. And uh, Harry goes to the payphone he's t- been told to meet at. Don't know how you call a payphone, but this guy's figured it out. Yeah. It literally has Dirty Harry run from telephone to telephone all over San Francisco. Oh, yeah. He runs for so long. Yeah. Um, he tells him you have to answer every phone before the fourth ring. Mm-hmm. I'm watching you sometimes, but you'll never know when. Mm-hmm. You stop and talk to anybody, you're fucked, okay? Mm-hmm. He's running, he's running, he's running. He gets stopped by some guys who are going to mug him. He punches him and punks him out with his gun and then goes to run to like the next phone and an old man picks yeah. it up oh he goes i don't fucking way yeah. hey sorry sorry he's like who is that he goes ah some old man and the killer hangs up and it's like oh damn he's fucked yeah and then the killer immediately calls back and it's like okay why did we do that yeah probably because this running around scene is taking too long and <laughs> something has to happen <laughs> and so they meet at this big cross in a park and the killer's like all right i got you throw your gun he throws his gun and he's like all right hands up against the wall look up at the cross and he does and he's like all right cool thanks for the money killer's got this orange ski mask on and he goes you know what i've decided i'm gonna kill her anyway and you know what i'm gonna kill you too but thanks for bringing me this money and then gonzalez comes out of nowhere and goes freeze punk and starts blasting at him 
The killer starts blasting back at him. And it's something we missed earlier. Harry takes some scotch tape and takes <laughs> a... Uh, what are those knives called? It's like a switchblade, I think. Yeah, switchblade to his yeah. leg. <laughs> and so he takes a switchblade off his leg and stabs a guy in the leg. And that guy goes... And this movie took 30 minutes longer to watch than it should have because me and Chris rewinded this part so many times. Uh. Don't know who this actor is. Don't remember his name. Comedic genius. Maybe top five funniest things I've ever seen. Just look at his face with the ski mask and everything. Oh, it's so good. I love it. I love it so much. I'm for sure going to post it on the Instagram when this episode goes up. So if you'd like to see that, that's where it's going to be. Yeah. Highlight. Highlight highlight. of the movie. Absolutely. And then who fucking knows what happens afterwards? There's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, look at the Wikipedia. The long and the short of what happens after. I I will say I'm going to lay my cards on the table. I do like the villain of the movie. Yeah. I think that's a strong suit. Um obviously could have been done better or more nuanced or this that and the other but like i i like his uh you know whole thing with like oh i'm just kind of randomly killing people in a way that's very hard to trace and like here's a little note i'm trying to leverage i you know some money out of you guys extort you for some money and uh i do like the you know cop trying to work the case kind of an angle again the problem really just comes down to like i prefer you know more of a Columbo type cop than mm-hmm. like a cowboy right wing yes, like sucks, taking the yeah. law into your own hands kind of thing is just a little whatever um, but yeah so that's that's the biggest thing that bogs down the movie is I just can't co-sign on like it's biggest like theme I, and it's also tricky because also like characters can be bad people and stuff but again yeah, you know like, like it kind of comes out with the person with the wrong morals on top in my opinion yeah like it like here I'll run down where we are real quick because it leads into the point that we're making um harry's all fucked up because he got shot or whatever mm-hmm. gonzalez gets shot goes i'm not gonna be a cop anymore i'm gonna leave i'm gonna be a teacher yeah and they put out an apb i think that's the right term for a guy who's coming getting stabbed in the leg coming yeah. to a hospital with a leg i also like this part yeah. yeah and so they find one harry goes there talks to the doctor Doctor's like, yeah, that guy seemed kind of familiar, but no, I yeah. didn't get his name. Well, first of all, yeah, one of the things is they're like, yeah, did you get his name? And they're like, nah, we didn't get that. And they're like, what do you mean you didn't get the name? And he's like, yeah, hey, people come in here most of the time. They give like a fake name anyways. We do, so, you know, most of the time we just don't even ask, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, remember who he is. And the cop's like, the doctor's like, I'm thinking, man. And he's like walking <laughs> I'm thinking, around. I'm thinking. He's walking around doing his job. And Dirty Harry's like, did you think? And he's like, no, I'm still trying to think. And then he yeah. goes, Ah, uh, yeah, you know what? He passes out programs at the football stadium during the football games. Actually, I'm pretty sure he lives in the football stadium in the the the, the, the groundskeeper's room. And he's like, yeah, he goes, yeah, right over there. And he points, and I guess the football stadium is next door to the <laughs> hospital. Yeah. So they walk over there. Harry busts into a place. No warrant or anything like that. Yeah. Looks for the guy. Guy sees him, starts running. They're shooting at each other. Harry chases him onto the field. Another cop who's there with him turns all the lights on in the field, and the guy's on the ground like, oh, "You you can't don't you can't kill me, don't kill me. What about my rights? Yeah, yeah, this and that." And he's got a bullet hole in the leg along with the stab wound. And Harry just walks up to him. He's like, "Where's the girl?" And he's like, "Just arrest me, do whatever. You can't kill me. You're a cop, blah blah blah, this and that." And Harry steps on his leg and he screams and screams and screams. Very cool shot coming out of the football field from yeah. them out, mm-hmm. which is because it's 1971. It's like 
fuck, that's extremely impressive. Yeah. But I do love when it starts. You can see Harry's jacket flapping wildly because <laughs> it's obviously a helicopter flying yeah. away from them. Yeah. Um, and then this is what next scene is what we're getting at with the point in this movie. He sees the DA and they're like, hey, "This is man, the big scene." Yeah. We this is like him. the uh, almost like the the uh, after school special. Yeah. Part of the movie where. They just lay it out. They're not even like, we're just going to be thick with it. Yeah. They're like, we arrested the guy. We have his gun, which, you know, matches the bullet casings we found. So we can prove he shot those other people. And we found the dead teenage girl. Mm -hmm. But hey, uh, uh, dirty dumb shit Harry, guess what? You tortured this man. (laughs) Yeah. So he's going to leave jail today. Yeah. Well, not only that, but entered without a warrant. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucked up at every turn. Yeah. And he's like, are you guys kidding me? And they're like, no, Harry, we're not. (laughs) And me and Chris are like, yeah, of course they're not. Yeah. And so Harry just follows him for a while. And like, yeah, that's my biggest problem with this movie was like, if, if they played more into like, hey, he's a wild card. And he's if this movie was a little bit more taxi driver, I think it would be a million times better. If like you're not if the point of this movie isn't supposed to be, God damn Clint Eastwood's cool mm. and more of like, oh this cop this wild cop is fucked. Yeah. Then this movie would be way better, but it's not. It's oh, he's the lone cowboy going up against all this bureaucracy. Yeah. Taking the law into his own hands, and it sucks. Yeah. And I hate it. Yeah. And I just, it makes me kind of sick watching it. Um, yeah. The only, the one redeeming thing I'll give it, skipping to the end, at the end, he kills the bad guy and then throws his police badge into the river. It's like, oh, great. Awesome. Thank God. Yeah. Happy ending. <laughs> happy ending. Um, but yeah, so the third act is basically that the uh, killer, uh, after the, uh, you know, the whole like, hey, none of this evidence has been gathered in a uh, legal way at all and this violates so many rights um, he decides to pay a gentleman $200 to beat the fuck out of him in um, what looks like uh, the location that Professor X hides in Logan and <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, then he tells uh, basically the press that, that the, the San Francisco Police Department specifically Dirty Harry did it to him and uh also real quick before that a scene i really really like in this movie is the way he gets that money or does it happen after it happens after sorry go on um maybe it does maybe yes because i know he's got yeah, the bandage on his yeah, nose, yeah, I think. yeah but anyways um he great plan it's a good plan i like yeah. this part you know um don't know that you had to pay somebody to do it but um Basically, what happens is at that point, you know, maybe best course of action is get the F out of there or lay low for a little while. But no, this guy immediately uh, steals a gun from a guy uh, and some money from a guy who owns a liquor store. The thing I do like is that they establish... What's that? This is the scene I like when he's robbing the store. Yeah. I like when he goes in there and he's like, oh, hey. He's like, oh, fuck, what happened? He's like, "Uh, you know, I hit my wife and her brother hit me. What are you gonna do? Yeah. And the the liquor store guy's like, "Hey, you're not so bad." <laughs> and then he goes, "Hey, you're that guy that keeps getting robbed, aren't you?" And he goes, "Yeah, every time this week, but X amount of times this month, but they're never getting out of here with any money." He pulls the guns out, pulls his gun out, and points it at him. Yeah. And I love the killer. Goes, "Hey, man, I scare easy." And the guy goes, ah, <laughs> "Anyway, what can I get you?" 
And he's like, all the money in it. Some of the band <laughs> takes all the money. Yeah. Um, from there, the killer... The killer decides to uh, kidnap the whole school bus. Yeah. Straight up whole school bus. Um, Sick plan. Never seen it before. Yeah. A whole school bus full of four or five children. <laughs> At that point, maybe he hadn't seen it before. Who knows? I don't know. I was being, I was being genuine. I don't uh, think I've ever seen someone kidnap a bus full of kids before. It's 1971. I will say there was also a track on the... Uh, soundtrack that sounded a lot like uh immigrant song and I yeah was, I, I actually looked up when immigrant song came out it came out a year before okay conceivable that they were made at the same time mm-hmm. but anyways um so he's got this whole school bus they call on the telephone to let the mayor know yada 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 dirty harry like some cowboy shit you know school bus He's being a dick to these kids, by the way. Hits one of the kids. He's being a dick to the bus driver. Uh, knocks her unconscious at one point. He's driving it. That might happen a little bit, but whatever. Bus is coming up on this, like, uh, train track wooden structure that, like, you know, yada, yada, yada. And Harry's just standing up there like a cowboy kind of a thing. Um, from here, the movie gets, in my opinion, pretty uh, modern or ahead of its time. This may be one of the first. I mean, obviously, you can go all the way back to people fucking around on top of trains and silent movies or whatever. Buster but Keaton shit, yeah. But yeah, there's like it, you know, kind of almost reminds me of something like T two or something like that. There's like a big truck and fucking the mm-hmm. sub, the, the school bus, and he's on top of the school bus and this, it's that, and the other. Action packed. You're it's right. action packed. It's action packed. Um, but eventually that all dies down, and we get um, a rip, rip reprise, right? Um, we get uh, do not like <laughs> Dirty Harry giving his what you think because the movie set it up his bluff speech. You think he's out of bullets, kind of a thing. So it's tense. As the guy's reaching for his gun, decides to actually do it this time. And you're like, oh, God, Harry's done. But no, this time he's not bluffing. He does have an extra bullet. I tried to count the bullets. I think he did actually have one bullet left. So that's all I have to say about it. The thing I, the thing I hate the most about it yeah. is if you're taking it at face value the first time he does it, mm-hmm. and you're if you're waving away all the, this is a bad thing to be showing real life cops. <laughs> And all that shit. Yeah. The the first speech of I, hey, if I'm being honest with you, and all the confusion. Yeah. I don't even know how many times I shot. Yeah. If that just in the heat of the moment thing, love it. So cool, so clever, such a cool thing for our cowboy mm. protagonist of a movie to say. When he does it a second time, I think this could be the sixth time he said this to somebody. Mm. This could be a can thing that he says to people all the time. See, I got that impression from the rip, just because of how like, rehearsed it seemed, and also he acts the exact same way when he's talking to the guy who's committing suicide. He's got, yeah. he's got a spiel. He's got a can spiel. And I get the impression that's something he does all the time. Okay. But to me, yeah, this works way better if he's a wild cowboy cop who is just that clever at yeah. a moment's notice. I um, think the thing is, is I think it's one of those old like uh, storytelling like tropes where like you try to have the one of the earliest scenes kind of set up something oh, for, for the sure. end. Oh, for sure, yeah, happen. but it, I just didn't like it. Yeah. So yeah, um, unlike the beginning, like I said, he's not bluffing, and he blows the guys. I wouldn't say brains out. It's he the seventies. He shoots them. Yeah. I do like the shot immediately after of the guy dead, just floating in the river that yeah. he was in front of. Which is like something we glazed over earlier. Again, in the very beginning, oh, there's yeah. someone dead in the pool, and it looks like shit. That death scene does. It does. It really does. <laughs> she just kind of goes like, uh, uh. 
like yeah. very much so concerned for her own like the logistics of her being in the pool herself rather yeah. than like trying to like it feels know, like she acted a bit you know yeah like, she goes oh and throws out a red handkerchief and falls yeah. backwards into a yeah. pool basically yeah. and then dirty harry takes out his little badge and chucks it in the river and walks off into the sunset and then the one of my over. favorite things also is it's just like something you can't control or whatever but like there's just like actual traffic happening in the road behind this whole yeah. scene or whatever there's just like a car or two going by or whatever and it just oh, it's one of those things that just makes me think like not it doesn't break my illusion and think like ah there's an sat. i do think that but more so it's one of those things where it's like it just it diminishes like his grand gesture in that moment like he just seems like yeah a cop who decided to quit that day um, rather than this grand yeah, cinematic yeah, yeah. thing we we skip past they do that big fight at the foundry I don't know what this build this some kind of mill or something yeah. where they're doing some kind of like metal work yeah they, they're chasing each other through it very intense yada yada and then they come out and there's a little boy for some reason at this active construction oh, yeah, site I forgot that he's got this kid fishing at the pond that's there yeah and the bad guy comes up and grabs him and puts a gun to his head and goes put the gun down dirty dumb dick Harry yeah and dirty Harry goes and just shoots the guy yeah. while he's got a gun to the kid yeah it wild just yeah. wild this yeah. movie's wild yeah and that's pretty much um ugh, God. you know curtains on dirty harry um i think we've pretty much covered it there's some really really good looking shit yeah some uh kind of fun shit uh, a lot of bad messages in there and ultimately you know like i said i'm giving it a dirty dirty d yeah, I'm also I'm gonna give it a D minus. Um, this movie does not hold up. It does not age yeah. well. Um, there's yeah, it looks great. There's, I wanna I wanna give it an F, but I gotta give it that dirty D. Yeah. Um, so I'll give it a D minus. Like I want to give it an F, but also, like I said, it shot well. Um, I feel like everybody who worked on this movie did a great job, except for the writers and Clint Eastwood. <laughs> um, uh yeah uh and also yeah. fuck clint eastwood right into the ground um, that guy fucking sucks so hard i don't know if you know this chris yeah clint eastwood sucks shit i hate oh, yeah? that guy yeah yeah oh yeah what up with him oh just a big big right wing oh for real vaguely racist not vaguely he's pretty racist yeah um but like kind of tries to hide it his last movie the mule is about him a 90 year old man becoming a drug runner for the for the cartel is he dying is he trying to make money for his family or something? i don't fucking care yeah but I, the the message of that movie is hey i clint eastwood can do what these brown people man, <laughs> i can I, do what yeah. these brown people can do at the age of 90 because i'm white and it's it's okay because i'm white kind of yeah. A thing, yeah. Yeah. Fuck, yeah bad when they do it okay when i have to do it like not even so much that but just like hey i can do it better than some brown guy okay. even though i'm a hundred years old yeah Again, still can't wait to watch the movie with him and a monkey, though. Oh, yeah. Any which way but loose. Any which way but loose. Not sure if we'll do it for the show, but... I don't know, but I'm adding that to the list of uh, shout-out in praise of Shadows. Great YouTube channel. Check it out. A couple of movies also on that list for me that just fall in the category of, I've got to see that. Uh, Nothing But Trouble, Dan Aykroyd, Brainchild, and um, the other one. What the fuck? Oh, Crime Wave, I think it's called. Which is uh, Sam Raimi, Brainchild, yeah. Bruce Campbell, the Coen brothers are involved, Francis McDormand. Uh, anyways, yeah, we watched another movie. Unless you have something else. You want to squeeze oh, a little say, sandwichy middle here? Wait, that that my list improv? for things that if somebody says it, I'm like, ooh, I gotta watch that. Yeah. 
And there's a chip in that movie. I'm watching it. <laughs> Monkey Bones. Monkey Bone. Project X. The one with Bob Burnquist. <laughs> any, <laughs> any movie with a monkey in it, I'm checking it out. Planet of the Apes. No, those aren't real monkeys. I don't care. Okay. It has to be a real monkey on screen. Actual monkey. You ever seen those yeah. pictures of Costanza with a monkey? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's good, 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 good. Um, I got a, do you got do you got a segue into next movie? Oh, baby. Um, well, eh, not really. Um, I could maybe no. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, hey, we watched India song. We did. Yes, we did. This movie came out in 1974, maybe, or maybe six. Great question. Um, You could probably find it in the letter. 75. 75. Would you like an improv prompt? So the intent is that I'm doing it while it's like for me reading this. Yeah, like you did it last time. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Okay, um, this time... Um, you're like a quiet, like nebbish, like guy that works in an office that's never really been able to like connect to anyone, you know? Okay. But like today, you're on the water cool with everybody, uh-huh. and they bring up a movie that you've seen that uh-huh. you really like that you can talk about. Okay. You're having a great conversation with everybody for the first time around uh-huh. this water cooler about this movie that you have a lot to say about. But also earlier today on your way to work, a guy strapped a bomb to your chest, and you're too embarrassed to tell anybody. Oh my god, okay. God. Hey, Doug, have you seen a. Uh, uh, shit, Julie, what's that movie called? India Song? Uh, oh, uh, oh, India Song. Uh, more like uh, India Lullaby. This movie is boring. Uh, I think it was made in 1975. Uh, Marguerite de Ross. Uh, India song is 120 minutes uh, of really, for the most part, elegant uh, fuck the man kind of filmmaking. Um, uh, no dialogue, just narration. Uh, a big mansion, uh, but just one room. What just a, 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 nothing, nothing. It's nothing. Long, long, long moments of nothing happening. Uh, uh, Fleetwood Mac album covers and, and uh, more leprosy than you can uh, shake a stick at. Um, Guys, uh, just, I'm, I, have to, I have to go take this phone call. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, I have a friend who uh, went to an actual conference and knows uh, way more about this film than I do, uh, uh, but... Oh my God. Uh, anyways, um, it's really significant. Uh, I can't really call, recall any of it, and I think this movie is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty boring and uh, well worth the watch. 6.5. Good to go, guys. Gotta go, gotta go. That's great. I think you did a great job, Chris. Okay. Chris, what's your uh, uh, history with India song? <sighs> well, um, there was a point in my life where I did this uh, thing called college, and I had a class uh, about film criticism and stuff, and it came with all these movies to watch. And I saw some of my favorite movies in that class. Cool. Yeah. Um, you know, just for example, we had to watch Moonlight for that class. I'd seen it many times before the class, but it is one of my favorites, so counts. Um, there's another movie, uh, I believe, I could be getting this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Polish. Uh, it's a Polish new wave film called Daisies. It's great. I'd love to watch it for the podcast someday. Um, watched some that I didn't care for a bunch. Uh, I remember there being one like the stream of color, or, like the color stream or some something like that. And it was made by like a very modern director who might have done something else like Ex Machina, I believe, or something like that. And um, it's just that kind of like I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. It was kind of like a, 
like the first episode of Black Mirror with like the fucking the pig thing. Mm-hmm. And I only say that because there's pigs in it. It's not like that in that sense. But it's just that thing where like there's something about like modern dystopia that never lands for me. Yeah. The way that like that, yeah. dystopia from the 50s and 60s did. Um, probably because we actually live in a straight up dystopia. So when they do a dystopian film, I'm just like, okay. Anyways, um, trying not to go on a Black Mirror rant. I don't like that show. Yeah, that show sucks. That show really sucks. Really Black does. Mirror. Hey, let's go to hey, Black Mirror rant. Check this out. That's what they were talking about. Yeah, it's your phone. Your, your phone screens. screens. Yeah, they're all oh, little black oh. mirrors. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. We do live in a dystopia, so when I watched an episode of Black Mirror, I'm like, this is unbelievable, because I know <laughs> what it looks like. Yeah. Like, one of the examples is, like, I also saw the one that was like, uh, oh, what if you could hook up your TV, like an HDMI cable between a PlayStation and a TV, you know, and you could watch memories, and oh, God, this girl, like, erased her memory. It probably means that she had an affair or whatever. And then it just kind of doesn't go anywhere. It's like she did, and their relationship falls apart. Like, you're what's the, the climax? Like, where's the thing where, like, you big, get me with big something? The climax is, huh. is that he goes, oh, for sure she had an affair, and then he cuts out the implant. It, like, I... Yeah. I do... Like, every episode is like, ooh, what if, what if, what if, uh, uh... And I'm like, hey, what and if you, know you what made does from there? a good show? Yeah. When they do the what if thing, you're like, okay, okay. And then what does the rest of the episode do? <laughs> I was going to do a fizzle out joke, but fart works too. Yeah. Um, I Farts do fizzle, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like the uh, the John Hamm one where they're like in an interrogation, but it's all in a, like a, a AI program, like VR in the head, and like the time has not actually been two years in reality or whatever. I don't remember where it goes from there, but that's a fun twist at the end. I could see that being like a, you know, decent episode of The Twilight Zone, but it's the Black Mirror, so it's not a good episode of but, TV. Yeah, because there's that fun twist where it's like, yeah, he was in on it the whole time, but then they twist on the twist. Where they're like, hey, John Hamm is doing this because he committed a crime and he's working for the police so they'll reduce his sentence. And then his sentence becomes, you're blocked from everyone else in the world. So he goes outside and everybody is just static and he can't hear the voice or anything like that. Yeah. That doesn't work. You know what would work, though? How's he going to buy groceries or... Yeah get to a hospital well no you know what does work though i i'm reimagining an episode where like okay so you, you get that reveal right mm-hmm. that he's doing this to reduce his sentence right he gets his re- sentence reduced but that's what he does for the rest of time so that 10 years that he still has to go or whatever it is he's spending in increments that feel like two years at a time right so he's still being punished almost more severely than before it was reduced Right, and you end on that kind of hellscape of him now living in basically eternity as he slowly. Right, because less time passes in real life, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. That's right on the episode. I'd end it with him being, you know, made to serve the rest of his sentence, basically experiencing more time than his sentence actually is. You know what? You actually, you know, I would end the episode. Huh. Um, the minute after I saw. The pig fucking episode. I'd be like, no, this show's not going to be good. <laughs> That's what I did. Not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I saw that and Hamm. I was like, That's really shitty. Yeah, you made me, I think. Watch the John Hamm one. And then I think you and I or me and someone else watched the the My Girlfriend's Fucking Around on Me episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I always hate, like, I my biggest fear in life is that I'm like a Le Rong generation kind of guy. I really don't think I am. But, um, 
Yeah, like it's just crazy. Like, uh, like I, you know, any the worst episode of the Twilight Zone I'd rather watch than the quote unquote best episode yeah. of the the, I, the Black Mirror. Yeah, like when I watched Black Mirror, I saw that pig fucking episode, and I was like, okay, the show has some promise. And then the next episode was worse. The episode after that was worse. And the episode after that was worse. And I was like, uh, okay, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen and then you like when I met you you hated it I was like yeah. ah you're being kind of harsh on it yeah. but as time goes on I'm like no Black Mirror goddamn blows <laughs> um, and it's insane like when you see like episodes like hey this one's got John Hamm hey this one's got Jessica Chastain yeah. it's like how like it's like the yeah. most surface level like hey man the world we live in is kind of fucked if you really think about it yeah like shit. I don't. This is hack material, and I only half read it one time in an article. But like they do with the episode with the whole like everybody's got a rating on an app, which is like okay, Community just did that like it's, a couple years community ago. Community didn't like, just do that. Community did it like five years before. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And, yeah, and yeah, Chris, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. your experience with India Song besides? You and know, you just did well, hang on, stuff, yeah. real quick. No, I got so sidetracked. We really did. But anyways, I'm going to keep going about Black Mirror for a second. That's totally you know fine. what Black Mirror's never done? At least to my knowledge. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, go ahead and tell me. Inspired someone to write a fucking movie. You know what The Twilight Zone has done over and over again? That's a great point. Inspired fucking movies. Example, The Living Doll. 20 years later, you get Chucky. Another example. Can't remember the the name of the fucking thing, but it has to do with a little girl, and there's a spiritual, like, portal that happens to be on the wall in her room, and she ends up falling into it, and they spend the movie trying to get her out of it. You know what movie that is? That's Poltergeist. There's other examples. I'm not going to give them, but whatever. <laughs> Back to my history with India Song. Yeah, I was made to watch this movie for class. Watched it, and fucking hated it. Mm-hmm. Um... But I didn't stop thinking about it. Really, really stuck with me. I was really thinking about it. And we'll go into detail later about why. And I eventually watched it again. Started to kind of dig it. Um, Kind of coincided with me having to write my senior thesis. And yeah, it was just on my mind heavy. And I decided I ended up actually writing my senior thesis on the movie. Cool. And... um, yeah, just kind of really grew on me. I don't know if I'd ever say it's um, one of the best movies ever made. I don't know if I would ever uh, say that's one of my favorites. Um, but I also think it's really, really important, and I'm glad that it exists. Because I guess if I had to give it a tagline, the most concise way I could put it um, is just, like, I'm glad that this is like also under the umbrella of what a movie can be yeah yeah that's that's uh you know one of the things that'll always you know um sort of i guess like for like a better term like move me about movies is when i see something i'm like oh wow that counts too you know so like i said is this my preferred way for movies to be should every movie be striving for this no god no but i'm glad that this is also cinema What's your history with this thing? My history with this thing is my roommate uh, was taking uh, college classes uh, and had to watch this, and I just fucking wouldn't shut up about it. And it just kept <laughs> going on and on and on until like a couple weeks ago. He was like, we're going to watch this. So I was yeah. like, all right, and I watched it. Um, and since I have no history with it, and you know way more about it than I do, I'll just yeah. straight up give my opinions on this movie. Yeah. This movie is fucking boring. It is. But... It is. I think it's boring in the same way that I think Blade Runner is boring. That's why we were going to watch it originally. Um, 
that's not I say it all the time like I give a movie an F on the show if it's boring but this is boring almost on purpose yeah it feels yeah. like yeah. um there we started watching it and like that first scene is so long whole thing's in French yeah it's just a sunset happens. Yes. The entirety of a sunset happens while two people talk. The entirety of a sunset happens while two people narrate over it. And I'm not really paying attention because I'm like, well, this is just the opening narration. And yeah. we'll kind of like probably go over this again later. And you went, oh, by the way, there's no dialogue in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have been. And so for the rest of it, I kind of wasn't really paying attention to anything. Yeah. Anyone was saying, like, just bits and pieces here and there, which is definitely the wrong way to have watched yeah. this movie. But... I think this movie's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big sucker for 4 by 3 And it's just really well, obviously, shot. There's stuff I really like about it. I do really like that they're in this big, giant mansion, but all you ever see of this place is the room with the floor-to-ceiling, floor-to-ceiling yeah. mirror in it. And it's just a great way to, like, frame shots. And if stuff I could like pause that. for two seconds and you can keep going on here. That was one of the things I, I think I might have said on the podcast last week that we actually recorded a podcast because um, we had watched uh, fucking whatever, Mulholland Drive. And I was like, next week we'll watch something that's surreal. That sur- feels like a lifetime ago. I know. We're going to watch something that's surreal in a different way. And a lot of the things you're already touching on is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Just this very disorienting. I, I've heard mm-hmm. the movie described because that is a big part of it is that the mansion is like kind of deteriorating around them yeah. you can't really tell totally but you know it is in disrepair and it seems almost like these are like almost like the ghostly remnants of yeah. the people who occupied it at one point like you know in the supernatural people always talk about like that being what ghosts are doing they're not just going through their day and like having a bit of oatmeal and then checking the news they're like almost stuck in a loop of whatever was like the most traumatic or like yeah the worst experience of their life kind of a thing just doing the same thing repeatedly you know like if you woke up and got shot in the head just for example you'd kind of like wake up and oh my god you know and now you're what do what do the bad example but you know what i mean you're just kind yeah, of like yeah yeah, yeah. I, get anyways, anyways. I know um and you're right like also just the you know and we'll touch on it more or whatever but even just like the way that they shoot those that room and you like will see somebody existing in what you almost don't realize for a long time is the reflection of the mirror until yeah they leave the frame and then come in from an angle you never yeah, would have exactly. imagined they would have come from because you're like oh fuck i was looking at a mirror for 10 minutes it's yeah it's all that stuff is great like there's yeah. there's you know the point of the movie is they're french diplomats in india mm-hmm. and the I believe it's the 30s yeah, what's happening inside the mansion is reflecting on the fall of India yeah. and the outside. People are going to the islands. People are getting leprosy. Didn't really catch any of that. Yeah, that's another thing I should mention is that um, there is a lot of historical context here that I don't even necessarily have. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, you know, as far as my relationship to, like, the occupation the imperialistic uh, occupation uh, of of India is the British, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the French were there too, and they were also doing 
you know, a bit of an imperialism. Um, just a bit. Yeah. Um, I actually just, just put bef- their toe in some imperialism. <laughs> just before we read this, or before we started doing this, I was reading a, an essay that was talking about, but not actually going into depth about how they are two distinct, different cultures in a sense. Like, I, I'm not saying like the British and the French are distinctively culturally different. That's a given, but I'm saying even the ways in which they occupied, while very, very similar in some ways, was there was a different kind of atmosphere. You know, if you were like a French di- diplomat or if you were an Indian citizen underneath yeah. French control compared to. So there are a lot of ins and outs of, yeah, you know, things like the leprosy or mm-hmm. even like the embassy or what they were necessarily hoping to accomplish there as opposed to like what the British were trying to do, yada, yada, yada. But don't have any of that. Don't have any of that. Um, <laughs> every, 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 every French, French diplomat is having sex with this guy's wife. Yeah. Throughout this movie. <laughs> um, that's fun, but yeah. uh, when I was getting at, um, was no, this movie's just beautiful, and the more we watched it, the more you were kind of giving me context for it, and the director, Marguerite Duras, you were telling me, what is it, she 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 was like, she's a, uh, a novelist, yes, turned, she turned this into a play, and then turned it into a film, yeah, she turned yeah. into a director, there were, there were, um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember French New Wave. That I don't think that this counts because I think the F- New Wave was just the 60s. But still, it's kind of like almost in that. There was like a school of um, like uh, directors who uh, were initially film critics and then became directors and were intentionally doing some of the New Wavey shit like because they were like, I want to see a movie that you know, I want to see kind of a thing. Yeah. And then there were a lot of people that, you know, kind of like a Marguerite Duras thing were just like, I'm just going to start making movies. Yeah. Like had never done great. anything like that before. And it's, it's what you were saying um, earlier when your point, your point you were making when you started talking about it here in this show, but also we were watching, you were telling me, she said something along the lines of like every film convention or every rule about filmmaking is part of the fucking patriarchy. Yeah, like from the ground up, like the yeah. idea of like what a shot is or what it needs to do yeah. or like what dialogue is or what dialogue needs to accomplish or this, that, and the other. Just everything you could think of as a quote unquote rule was just like one of those things where like from the ground up it's been built on the, you know, basically in a room full of white men deciding what a movie should look like exactly. and nobody else has been in so let's start from scratch and that's what i love about this movie like what you said yeah. this is i love that this is also what can be considered a movie it's mm-hmm. great um great i think i would like this movie listen i'm dumb i know some stuff just does not penetrate my brain i think i would love this movie if it was in english Mm-hmm. And I knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, because for some reason, um, it being in another language and the subtitles, it, it was tough for me to delineate when two different people were talking. Yeah. Or if it was just one person talking. So, like I said, I kind of watched this movie without listening to it. Yeah. Um, and even with that, I, and even as boring as I say it is, I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I really did. I'll probably watch it again sometime in the near future. Yeah, um, one of the things I want to take take from the top is I think that this is one of the quintessential you need to watch this alone. Preferably just kind of at night in a dark room alone. Okay. Kind of movies. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's a very different um, experience. Every movie is in that context. Mm-hmm. But this one especially, like, it really is, like, very um, dreamy. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and, yeah. Like, just uh, trance-like, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think I've even seen a 
article, maybe it was the New York Times or the Guardian or something like that, talking about like the, uh, you know, like the, you know, mesmerizing, you know, movie you know, song or the hypnotizing or whatever it was, trance-like, yada, yada, yada. And that's kind of what happens. You know, you're just kind of like sitting there like, almost like meditatively, like just. Yeah, it's something that I really love when I see in a movie because it's such like a real moment in life that you have when you're for lack of a better term down bad <laughs> or you're just you're just kind of in your feelings and yeah. you're a little spacey and you're a little meditative drake and you just have a lot on your mind and you're just you're outside touching a bicycle or you're inside or you're you're just somewhere and there's just something near you and you just touch it yeah and you run your hand over it or you just you get while your brain is going through all of these things in your head. Yeah. Also, the f- it's all happening in the background, but also the forefront of your brain at the same time is kind of like, man, I've never really noticed just the texture of this thing, and I'm yeah. very much so while my brain is exploding in the back right now, I'm so unbelievably in this moment because mm-hmm. I kind of don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. And I love when I see that in a movie. That is this entire movie, <laughs> yeah. and I don't like it. Just people leaning on pianos. Like exactly. someone Like, over the course of 10 minutes, you're looking at a shot where 80% of the frame is the reflection of the shot. Yeah. And then two minutes into the shot, someone wanders in and, like, leans on a piano. And then slowly, over the course of three minutes, a man smoking wanders in, takes a couple hits or whatever, gets a little bit closer, and then gets, like, right up against them, then puts his hand on the back or whatever and then it's just that for like three minutes and then we're on to a new scene yeah or <laughs> or a woman walks around you realize she's in a mirror she walks in front of the camera and then falls down on the ground and a boob falls out you watch the boob for a couple of minutes it's you watch not the, sexy it's not and then for 10 minutes you watch two other men walk in the room and lay down next to her and then 10 minutes pass yeah and then a guy wanders in and just watches them do that for a little while <laughs> oh you mean my favorite character in this whole movie her husband yeah. but we'll get there Oh, I want okay, um, but yeah, from the top, like you're, you, you're, you're, you're one of the things that must be said about this movie also is that the narration that happens, you know, you're talking about sometimes being very confused, and I totally get that. I also feel it because sometimes the characters in the movies movie are speaking, but not on camera. Uh, yeah. They're disembodied voices, and when that's not happening, it's very rare that that happens. Very few times that happens. The bulk of this film is primarily two women, sometimes another woman and a man or two, kind of talking about the people that are yeah. on screen. Um, the way that, like, you know, you and a close friend might be at, like, a party and, like, kind of talking about the people you're seeing around there. Like, maybe they don't, you know, maybe you're bringing someone to a party that, you know, they, they don't know any of your friends kind of a thing. and. Maybe they're like, oh, who's that guy? He looks important. And you're like, oh, well, this guy's, you know, the uh, ambassador to, uh, you know, India from France or whatever. And, oh, that's his wife over there. Now she's sleeping around with everybody. Yeah. And uh, uh, she's sleeping around with everybody. But uh, she won't have sex with him. So I'm going to keep calling him the virgin because that's funny. (laughs) I love that guy. Yeah. Oh, God. I can't wait to get to it. But um, the other thing also is that like this reminds me of something like the band life without buildings or um i know some poets do it i wish i could remember which poets offhand but also marky smith of the fall does it where they sort of um 
almost like deconstruct language by like just repeating the same phrases over and over, maybe altering them a little bit here and there. Um, the style also has roots in like cutting up things that strike you out of like written printed text out of like magazines or newspapers and then just jumbling them up and repeating them at nauseum to see if they create any new meanings or lose meaning or anything like that. So it is also dialogue that sometimes is expositionary, but also at the same time is sometimes just collage. Yeah. So yes, there is there there are like three or four things that just keep coming up over and over again, like the River Gange and Calcutta and Leprosy and oh he's the Virgin and yeah you know, that kind of a thing. Those things just keep keep happening, almost like a chorus or a refrain or something. You know, um, but yeah. Long story short, it takes place seemingly. I mean, time I have no fucking idea. But like, there's like kind of a day, night cycle that happens initially with the woman. And a couple of men, and then her husband comes along, and uh, yes, there is... Goes well, outside, touches a bike. Yeah, goes outside, touches a bike. Um, we get some backstory of her and like one of the other lovers having been found in a hotel room trying to kill themselves and stuff, and you know, all of this stuff about how like she used to write, or you know, she's never written before, and she's sad, and... You know, there's another guy who's a writer, and, you know, he used to be, he used to think he could, but then he realized he couldn't or whatever. Uh, we get the virgin, and, you know, like I said, learn that whole thing about how she's sleeping with everybody but won't have sex with him or whatever. He gives an impassioned speech to her about how, like, that's okay, you can have that, you can do whatever you want, our love is stronger than that, we don't need that kind of a thing, we don't need to do that, because I understand you, and you understand me, and that's all that's, you know, needed, and... You also get the impression that he must not be home often because there's this whole point where he's talking about how like, oh, I'm going to talk to them and they'll let me stay. They'll let me stay or whatever. And they don't. And he's outside yelling all night long. Favorite part of this yeah. movie. And I, it is not played for laughs, but yeah. I don't see how it's not. Yeah. Because it feels like... Well, you just get the shot of her standing there with a guy smoking a cigarette and they don't move for like 10 minutes while he's just like, Tout le monde, mi amour, eh, zout Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Just wailing and screaming as they just stand there. And it there. goes on for so long that it becomes the funniest thing I've ever seen. And eventually they start to do other stuff, albeit not much because that's inherent to the yeah. movie. Uh, but you still, every now and again, the scream will just come back. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I thought that guy was gone. That's what makes him my favorite character in this movie. Yeah. He's shaped like a barrel. He's just great. Yeah. And just every, yeah, the tallest just, orangutan I've ever seen. Every now and then, just something will be happening in this movie. And what feels like four days have passed in this movie. And you'll just hear, the Like, it's yeah. just, oh, it's so good. Yeah. As you mentioned, or as the letter mentioned, uh, yes, some of the shots are just her with like three dudes around her, and it looks like a Fleetwood it Mac look, cover. Yeah, it looks like it's going for Renaissance painting, but it's for sure landing at Fleetwood yeah. Mac. Yeah, it's definitely heading heading at the landing at the '70s band photo kind it's, of a deal. It's great though. Yeah. I love every single yeah. time it happens. Um, very few shots uh, actually do any moving. There's mm -hmm. only two that come to mind, and it's their exterior shots, outside shots. Um, but anytime you're inside of the house, it is just a stagnant, the camera does not move. That's just not something the camera does throughout almost the whole movie. Um, um, you were kind of shady when I asked you when we watched it, cause I assume you didn't want to ruin anything for me. Do we know who the picture of the girl on the piano is? I don't believe so. It might just be a younger photo of her. Okay. I don't know. Because like, really thought I, about it I remember them passing it while I wasn't paying attention to the narration and thought as the movie went on, oh, I must have missed something because it's always present. Because you're right, the camera doesn't move a lot, but it does. It is set up in different spots of that same room. 
It's still pointed at the mirror. But always that picture is present and kind of facing the camera. And it also has 100 insets behind it burning <laughs> smoke. So this picture is just yeah. always smoking on this piano. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe there'd be some significance to the picture yeah. of who the woman is in it. But yeah. I don't know. You know, and there's all kinds of things. I think that's one of the things about the movie is that it's kind of open for interpretation to a degree. Like they talk about leprosy so often. Um, sometimes in relation to like leprosy of the heart and I can understand that like part of leprosy I believe is that you lose any kind of like nerve feeling and you can't and so like that kind of a thing like your heart you don't feel anymore yeah um, but also so do lepers I don't want to join one of their fucking clubs <laughs> what movie is that from I don't remember <laughs> I don't know either. I just I think of it every time I think of when anyone yeah. brings up leprosy I just bring I bring up I just think of so do lepers but I'm not gonna go join one of their fucking clubs but, uh, you know, also, like, you know, the idea is that, like, lepers get, you know, sectioned off into their own little community. And you kind of get that sense about all of these diplomats in a sense. It's almost like something like Lost in Translation where you just spend all your time in this mansion because, oh, you know, uh, that's either what I'm made to do by my post and I can't really get out much. Or maybe, like, I'm the wife of somebody and I don't know anybody here besides anybody who's in this whatever. Yada, yada, yada. Um... There's not much more to say about this movie. I think this movie, more than anything, is just kind of an experience, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just something, uh, you know, if you've got the gumption or the grit uh, or the patience or the attention span, you know, check it out. Um, you know, do I do I think, uh, you know, if you're a, a smarty pants, you got to like this. And if you're not, you're dumb. No. Um, this is not for everybody. Uh, it's barely for me, uh, but there are things I really appreciate about it. And grading this thing is going to be very tough. Have yeah. you thought about that? I have not. Yeah? That's a great point, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what to to give it. I, th you know, by my own criteria, the whole thing is like, you know, how well does it accomplish what it sets out to do, which is not entirely true because obviously Dirty Harry set out to do something and mm -hmm. it accomplished it. But still, at the end of the day, I got to give it a D because I don't agree with what it accomplished. Exactly. I, I agree with what India Song did and I agree that it accomplished it. Do I put it in the A plus? No, I think that's reserved for, like I said, some of the things that might, in my opinion, be the best of the best. Um... And I think ultimately it probably goes more in like the A minus B plus range, just because I knock off some points for it. Just like I said, not. <sighs> I almost do want to give it an A plus, but it's you know there's just I think I'll probably settle with like an A minus maybe. Um, I'm gonna take a coward's way out. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it unranked like I did with um... unranked. I can't remember what the other movie. The What'd God, you put in there? The I Godfather. Godfather. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put it in there with that. I think I need okay. to. Yes, we watched this movie nine days ago. I've seen it like four times, and I still am having a hard time. Yeah, I'd like it. to see it again before I give it any solid ranking. Okay. I did find the leper quote I was thinking of, though. What's it from? It's from The Breakfast Club. When was the last time <laughs> you saw The Breakfast Club? Three, four years ago, maybe. I'd like to watch it again because I remember enjoying it as a younger man, but yeah. Uh, I've heard some people talk about it recently being like, hey, as someone who didn't grow up in the 80s, this movie's just a bunch of hogwash. Like, yeah. It doesn't really hold I up. have no disrespect to give The Breakfast Club because I don't remember it well. I just remember being very bored watching it. I really enjoyed it. I'd like to rewatch The Breakfast Club sometime soon. We don't have to do it for the show, but I'm, I'll, I'll report back at some point what I think about The Breakfast Club. Word up. Oh, fuck. 
I know you want a mattress, man, but I was going to start this off with my report on Nick's Nick's solid gold review of seasons one and two of the iCarly reboot. But I guess we'll wait till next week. Okay. Maybe you cold open with that later. Maybe. Maybe you could be my friend and fucking watch it with me. Yeah, well, you know what they say. That's that, Mattress Man. If you need more soup, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or go to our website, eatingsoupalone.com. And until next time, 